this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. As I was preparing for this week, the Lord took me to a place that I didn't think I would be going. I love to start off the year with directional words and and things that he shows for the year to come, and I hope you all have received something from him. And I hope that today what is brought forth will not only confirm the word, but help you with a strategy to implement the word in 2023. And so uh, that's my heart this morning is not that you would get a word from me this morning, but that I know he's already spoken to you. If you've been in his presence, he's given you a plan, he's given you a destiny, he's given you a map, but that hopefully something today will equip you so you can walk that out in the natural. and. I've had so many meetings over the last few weeks uh, with individuals and pastors and friends and um, my assessment is that the Lord is changing a lot of directions in 2023. That, that the status quo of being okay to be, uh, how do I say it politely? The the ability to sit and just be uh, is changing. I can reword it again. Um, He's done with the apathetic church and he's called us to greatness. And uh, I had the privilege of speaking in front of a, a decent sized group of pastors last night and I went to the Lord and I was like, okay, Speaking to pastors, like they know the word, uh, they can preach it better than I can. Um, what do you want to share? And um, I believe that there is coming a move in the body of Christ of radical faith. Radical faith. Faith that says, I'm going to walk in this direction and I don't know what it means, but whenever I go that direction, I know that he is with me. And uh, when you speak in front of pastors and leaders and uh, you bring a word like that, it has lots of implications. I don't know what they all are, but it has lots of implications on ministry and things, but the Lord said share that, so we did, and I pray that they all will live in radical faith. There's this, there's this thing that, that the Lord has been moving in me about this faith that we're supposed to embrace and we're supposed to release you know Mary I talked about a few weeks ago Mary uh, at the marriage there at the wedding uh, she said you know Jesus they're out of wine and he goes yeah my time's not ready woman that's what he said Um, and uh, and she didn't even look to him now now think about this again I'm going to review for one second that this is a family because they were all invited so it's somebody that they knew. And the worst thing that you could have is to run out of something. Because the whole city came over to your house for a week. You know, we're planning a wedding, and thank goodness the reception's only a couple hours. 
<laughs> I don't think I could do a week. But they were there for a week and they were eating and drinking and having a blast and celebrating and that's what they did for a week. And the one thing, now you have to think about the culture, the one thing that you've been taught for, from day one is that when you celebrate a wedding, you don't run out of stuff because that shame and, and frustration on you. And so, and on the family. And so when Mary says to Jesus, hey, they're out of wine, instantly he knew what that meant was being thought about the family. And I'm sure that he had emotion with that. I, they're not, Jesus and the apostles are not just like figures in stained glass. They were people. And I think that he had to think, this is bringing shame on my family, on the family that I'm here to celebrate with. And I'm sure that he wanted to do something. But it wasn't his time. But I find this very interesting. Mary turned away from him. He said, my time isn't ready. Mary turned away from him. Never addressing him again. And said, do what he says. That's radical faith. That's calling Jesus into a situation that you don't understand. And even that you do understand the implications of how painful this situation is. And he's like, my time isn't ready. And she's like, I understand what you feel. I understand what you're thinking. But my faith is going to engage in what I know and who I know you are. And something's going to happen. Now, this is what I believe is coming to the church. There's going to be a remnant that is going to latch on to radical faith. And they're going to say, Jesus, you need to come into this situation. And I know that it doesn't look like you probably have come into this situation before, but I'm going to stand here in radical faith and talk to people and say, God's going to move, do what he says, and he's going to move on their behalf. And what I spoke last night was this caution to leaders. And so you're all leaders, right? You're leading something. You're a leader. So I'm going to speak it to you as leaders. Is that if those who you lead grab onto radical faith and you don't, you're in trouble. So I'm just giving you the, the, the push as a leader. Grab onto radical faith, make radical decisions, call Jesus into places that Maybe he hasn't been before in this realm, in this situation, and release the radical faith to watch him move. You say, what does that look like? Well, I don't know what it means for you, but I'm hopefully gonna today give you some principles that you can take that radical faith and put it into practice in everyday life. You realize that the church is not for the unsaved. Our goal is not to bring the world inside these four walls and teach them about Jesus. I know, I know, I'm, I'm like wrecking people's theology right now. That's not what it's about. This is a place for you to get equipped to do the work of ministry. Okay, now, what happens when you get equipped and equipped and equipped and equipped and equipped and you don't take any action? There's a body of water in the Middle East that is a demonstration of what I just described and it's called the Dead Sea. And things that go in there float because everything goes in and nothing comes out. And I believe that the radical faith that's coming to the body of Christ is people who have said, I've got all the knowledge, I've been taught for 50 years, but now I'm gonna implement something and I don't know how it's gonna look. I don't know how 
Jesus is gonna turn water into wine, but what I do know is, is that the word says he will. And so I'm gonna stand on that word, and when I stand on that word, things are gonna shift over here in this atmosphere, and all the knowledge that I have is now gonna turn into wisdom, because wisdom is applied knowledge. So you can be a very knowledgeable fool. You can be, because what's the opposite of wisdom? Foolishness. So you can have a lot of knowledge and still be a fool. Or you can have a lot of knowledge and apply it and people look at you as wise and the word says you're wise because you've taken all the knowledge and applied it. So I want to give you some things. I, I came across this book. Um, I'm not recommending a book, although you'll hear why I would recommend it. But um, this is a, a secular business book. But you know, when you read things, if you're in the spirit, if you're, if you're hearing the Lord, you can find the gospel anywhere, right? So I'm gonna read you this. I'm not endorsing this, but if you wanna go get it and you're in a transition period, go get the book. It's very good. But I'm gonna summarize it with my own uh, summary of it. And then uh, it's called The Proximity Principle. And the author is Ken Coleman. And it's a book all about this scenario. And that is people who go to work every day and they do it because they're being obedient to do the work, do the work, do the work, do the work, but they're dead inside. They're doing the, the actions that the outside world wants them to do, but every single day from nine to five o'clock or 5.30 to whatever, whatever time they're working, they're doing the actions and the functions that they need to do, but they're dead. And so he wrote this book about the proximity principle, which means that those people that are dead inside have to find purpose. And the people that have all the knowledge and, and have all the training and have all the certifications, but they're not being fulfilled in what they're doing are missing their destiny. And so he lays out a way that we can figure this out. And my, my premise in doing this, I don't normally take secular books and bring them before you, but I've had so many conversations with leaders and so many conversations with people in the last month. They know that they're, they're dead in what they're doing, yet they have no way to go toward their destiny. And many of them have even expressed to me that they don't know how to dream again. They, they need to learn how to dream again. They don't know how to dream anymore. Like all the vision for the future is now dead and they're in this barren season. And this framework that I'm gonna give you works in the business realm and your job if you need a new one of those, uh, or it will work and I'll show you how I believe it works in our spiritual lives because all of us are called to a destiny, amen? You're all called, every single person on the planet was called to accomplish something for the kingdom. And the enemy will do anything and put anything in your path to keep you from actually getting there. Even if it's a good job that pays good money. He may give you that so that you become comfortable and apathetic. Maybe he gives you a good church and he says, you need to go here. And it wasn't really the Lord, but you go there because you're just going to be apathetic and not do what you're called to do. In order to do, I'm quoting from the book now, in order to do what you want to do, you have to be around people who are doing it and in places where that thing is happening. Believe me, I know the implications of what I'm about to preach. So, 
There are five types of people that you need in a transition period in your life. Five types of people. So when you're taking notes, write one through five and then make a space and then write one through five again because there's actually five other things I'm gonna teach you later. But there's five people that you need in your life to make a transition from being dead inside to coming alive in your destiny. Five people. The first one are professors. And I'm not talking about the ones that get paid way too much and teach nonsense to our students in college. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about a type of person, okay? This type of person, a professor, they know their stuff. They know their trade. They know what they're doing. They're scholars of a desired field. And they love to teach, and this is probably the most important part of this point, they're willing to teach you. You need a professor in your life to make a transition. So this is somebody in the field in which you're looking that says, I love to teach, I am competent to teach, and I'm going to teach you specifically. Okay, so you need a professor in your life. The second person you need is a professional. Professionals, think about it, those you watch on TV, the professionals, that's why they're called that, why are they called professionals, is because they're people who've made it. This is what they do. They're successful at many levels of this trade in which they've chosen. So this is what you do with professionals. You need professors because they're gonna teach you something. You need professionals because they've accomplished something that you need to discover. So here's how you discover it. It would be great to meet these, these people. But even if you can't meet them, you can meet them because you can read what they've written. Most successful people that I know have written something about how they've gotten where they are. So you can read their biographies, you can read uh, autobiographies if they've written them, you can read about who they are. And you can find out what they've overcome to get to where they are, which will hopefully save you some time. The average millionaire in America reads one book a month. The multimillionaire reads, what many, many more than that. Leaders read, by the way. So if you're gonna make this transition, begin to read about the people that are professional in the place in which you wanna go. You can watch them. Most of them probably have something online. Sister Amy even has stuff online, which is so cool that uh, we can watch some of her sermons and listen to them. Although whenever I listen to them, I feel like I'm missing the whole show because she's so theatrical, you know? I feel like I'm missing it, but um, these people, these professionals become the model in which you ascribe to, okay? So practicality. If you're wanting to move to a new destination, I'm not saying physically, I'm saying in your life, you wanna become more productive, these are the people that you need to have in your life. You need to have professors, and you need to have professionals, and then you need to have mentors. Mentors, who are mentors? A mentor, Stephen, is someone who cares about you. They don't just know their craft, they don't just know what's going on, they actually care about you. Now, here's the thing about a mentor. They care about you enough to say the good things and the bad things. They care enough to say, you're missing it, buddy. And they care enough to say, this isn't right for you. Or they're, they're, they care about you enough to say, you're, you need to do this 
X, Y, and Z. Okay, that's what a mentor does. A mentor, and now many of us, when we hear the word mentor, we think of older. That's not what the word means. A mentor could be 17 who knows a little bit of stuff and cares about you and says, you're being a fool, dad. Okay? They're not equal to professors. And here's the reason why. They will take you under their wing and they will tell you the hard truths, what you need to hear. But not only that, they'll offer you guidance and accountability. See, a professor will offer you guidance, but they really don't care about you. They're just teaching you something. But a mentor will actually put their arm around you and say, listen, this is what you need to know, and I'm gonna make sure that you get it taken care of. We were talking in the prayer room this morning whenever I first rolled in here about discipleship. And we have a discipleship plan. If you don't know our discipleship plan, it's out on the Welcome Center. It's a card. You can literally put it on your fridge and you know how we disciple at the summit. Are you in the word every day? And I was saying, like, when, when I meet with people, when we as the leadership team meet with people, those are the five questions that we ask. They're right on that paper. If you ever want to have coffee with us, make sure you know those because <laughs> you're going to be asked them. And uh, hopefully you not just give us an answer, but it's a real deal. So are you in the word every day? Well, if you're not in the word every day, a professor would say, get in the word every day. Right? That's what a professor would say. You cannot excel in the kingdom of God without being in the word every day. But a mentor will do this. A mentor will say, sitting at the table with you, it is best for your health and well-being for you to be in the word every day. And so we're going to meet again in two weeks. And in two weeks, here are 14 scripture references and passages that I want you to read before we sit down. That's what a mentor does. Everybody clear? Many of us are missing mentors, just saying. Even in our current space, not even looking somewhere else. We're missing mentors. You need to have one, okay? The fourth group of people are your peers. These are people who are going after the same thing you're going after, and they're going to push you and challenge you to be better because they're going after the same thing. This is why I loved playing sports. Because the better, the, the better at a certain thing I got challenged everybody else on the team to get better and the better that they got in that skill challenged me to be better in that skill and it made us all better. Some of you are catching on to where I'm going with all this. They place themselves in the right places and around the right people. Peers will challenge you to realize your potential. If you don't have somebody in your life today that is challenging you to game up, you're missing one of the five essential people in your life. I had a phone call with a pastor last week and uh, he called me and he expressed his concern for me and my need to game up. How many of you want to receive that? You better say yes because it was the best phone call I've had in two months because it challenged me to be better, to go deeper with the Lord. Number five, the fifth type of person, the producers. The producers in your life. Now, who are these people? They're similar to professionals, sort of, but they are builders before they're professional. In other words, they're here to build something. And 
these people, these producers, are the people that you would normally see that are always out building something new. Now, what does a builder look like? And you can probably put names to this in your own mind. Maybe you'll write them on the paper. Who's a builder that you know? They take risks, they start companies, and they create jobs. These are producers. You need to have a producer in your life. You need to have someone who's going to maybe even open an opportunity for you. But that's what they do. They start companies, they take risks, and they create jobs. But more than anything, their role in this realm that we're talking about is they create opportunities for other people to succeed. How many of you want a producer in your life? They're probably going to create an opportunity for you to succeed. Now, can one person in your life be multiple of these? Yes, but I would try to find five people. Because when one person is your mentor and they're a producer, something will probably get missed in the mix. Just saying. It's good to have five different people. So, that's my summary of the first couple chapters of the book. Now I'm going to take you to the next thing. The next question that I received over the last few weeks from people is, where should I be? Where should I be? I'm in Dover, but where should I be to achieve my destiny? I'm not going to answer that for you today. That's between you and the Lord. I'm going to give you some tools. You okay for that? The first one to answer where should I be is this. Start where you are. Okay, I have a destiny that I need to be a mechanic. Well, the best bet to start this off is not to fly to New Zealand and learn how to work on European cars. Just saying. Start where you are. Find somebody who's successful, get your five people together, and say, I'm going to start here in learning what I am called to do. So start where you are. Everything you need to get started is probably in your zip code. But see, we have big destinies. We've got big dreams. What you need to get started is probably closer than you think and would probably bite you if you look the other way. Seek every opportunity to track down the people that you need to meet in that scenario. They may be people you already know. Somebody needs to write this down. I don't know, the Lord just highlighted it. They may be people you already know, or they may be people that the people you know know. I'll repeat that. You probably already know them, but maybe they're people that you know, people that they know. You know, six degrees of separation. We all know how everybody knows everybody. You go to Ireland and you meet somebody and you're like, I know you. Number two, you need a place to learn. That means you need a place to take classes, get certifications. You need a place to do apprenticeships. You need a place to do internships. You need a place to learn. How many of you are above learning in the room? Then why'd you stop? You need a place to learn. Number three, you need a place to practice. If you're going to be my heart surgeon, practice a lot. 
If you're going to repair uh, a torn ligament in somebody's knee, be prepared a lot. You need to practice. Practice, practice, practice. You need a place to practice. A place to convert your education into execution. Many people miss this point. You can have all the knowledge in the world and still be a fool. I'll repeat it again. You need a place to practice and make mistakes where people who love you are gonna allow you to fail and protect you when you fail. Thank goodness I had that or I wouldn't be here, believe me. I would have cowered in the corner after the first time I did this. You need a place to test yourself before you step on the stage. This is where you hone your craft. You need a place to practice. There is no shortcut to spending time in practice. You see, there's many people that come in to a church and they, they look at their past and they say, I've done X, Y, and Z, and I need to be where you are. Or I need you to give me a ministry because I know where I am and you don't know where I am and I deserve that. You need a place to practice that's safe and you need to spend the hours necessary to develop the skills because we all need more skills. And that's why whenever someone calls and says, do you want to speak to a bunch of pastors? I say, yes, because hopefully they're the most gracious people that I'll be able to speak in front of. And if I make a mistake, all it does is grow myself in the next thing that I need to go do. And it also puts me in front of new faces. Are you doing that? You say, I'm retired and I, I'm at home during the day. Well, find your place to practice. Number four, you need a place to perform. A place where you can gain real life experience in doing the work. Practice is one thing, but you need to be able to perform under pressure. Practice is one thing, but you need to be able to perform under pressure. There comes a point when you simply have to do the work. You have a destiny to transform and awaken nations. You better find five people who know how to awaken nations. You better start at home learning about who you are then you better find a place to practice. And then you better find a platform to be on so that you can work to get there. And what else do you need after that? You need a place to grow. There's this unique thing about a seed that when it goes into the ground, it dies, and then it grows into something that produces many of its kind. And I think that in the church, maybe we've missed it a little bit, and we've worried about our growth and not the growth of those around us. And so we've grown up, but as we've talked about over the last few months, maybe our fruit isn't so conducive to producing more fruit. So what is a place to grow? A place to grow is a place you can get better at what you do and move forward. As I said earlier, this is not the house for the unbelievers. This is a house for you to be equipped so you can go do something. If we're not sending out, then we're dead. 
And in this place where you can grow, there must be an opportunity to pursue your destiny. This is the hardest part. So we've gone through five people, now we've gone through five places. And I'm gonna tell you that if you make it and you get your five people, amazing, do it. If you get through the five places, amazing, do it. Here is the hang up for most people. And the hang up for most people is, maybe they found the right people, maybe they found the right places, but they haven't taken advantage of the right opportunities. When you're with the right people and you're in the right places, opportunities will arise. But the question is, are you going to answer? Are you going to answer? One relationship leads to three more. So if you have five people that are on your list, you really have 15. Because every single relationship leads to three other people. If you're willing to stay with five people and not go to 15 people, you'll never have to worry about where you are because you're going to be stuck right where you're at. Am I giving you something practical? Okay. And I know that many of you are scribbling so fast you're going to ask me later for notes. We'll figure out how to do that, okay? We've got great people in the back that can figure out how to give you all these notes. Now, many of you, that didn't apply to you because you're not looking for another field to be in. But I want to transform what we just talked about into kingdom principles for a second. And this is what I call this section. The proximity principles of the kingdom. You need five people in your life. That's not going to change in this section. You need five people in your life. You need a professor, you need professionals, you need mentors, you need peers, and you need producers. That happens, but I want to talk to you about your spiritual walk for a little bit. If you're not reading your Bible every day, if you're not having Holy Spirit encounters, if you don't have healthy relationships, if you're not influencing the world and you don't really know who God is at this point, this may help you. Or if you're anywhere on that spectrum, hopefully this will help you. Turn with me to Luke 11. Yes, I am going to read scripture. But I hope that that practical stuff will help you to process where you are in life. Because I don't read anywhere in scripture the word retirement. I read a lot about refinement. I read a lot about you're called to awaken nations and you're called to go raise the dead and heal the sick. It doesn't say that when you reach a certain age that doesn't happen anymore. That's your choice. Ooh, shouldn't have said that. I saw Pastor Sean shake his head and look at me. Yeah, that probably wasn't a good thing to say. <laughs> There's no expiration date on your calling to be a disciple. That's a lifelong calling. And this week, think about it. This week, we're going to have a 90-year-old general who's going to he's going to impart truth to you. Okay, he's going to speak from his heart. He's going to imply truth to you and he's 90. And I guarantee you, if someone was dead in this family, he would go there and raise the dead. And we should be right with him. Some of you have expired and retired and you're only 20. <laughs> Chapter 11, Luke 11. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, 
I think that would be somebody that we could call a mentor or a professor. Hmm. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them this, when you pray, sounds like somebody's teaching something. When you pray, pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And then he goes on to verse five and continues walking out what he just said to the disciples. You see, some of you have decided that 2023 will be a year of change, and I want to propose this to you, that if the change doesn't have anything to do with becoming a better disciple, it's probably not of the Lord. If the change is to become a better parent, that's amazing, and I think God will honor that, but your true calling is to become a better disciple. Your true destiny is to become a better disciple every single day. And so Jesus in this section of scripture that I just read became the disciples' professor. And he began to teach them the things that they needed. He began to teach them how to talk to their father. He began to teach them how to communicate to another realm. He began to teach them the necessity of life. A true professor will teach you the things that you need to know to be successful. The second person you need in this journey toward being a better disciple, this one's an interesting one. You need professionals. And I'm gonna say not professional pastors. That's not what you need. You don't need professional pastors. What you need are professionals that you can read about that accomplished way more than what anybody we know around here has ever accomplished. And so I encourage you to go start in the book of Matthew and begin to read about these people that are professionals that have already accomplished what you should be wanting to accomplish. A disciple would look at the scripture and say, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, all the way through the end, whenever I read that, I want to be like that. And so they're professionals, they've accomplished something. I wanna go replicate what they've done and I wanna go understand the mistakes that they made to get there so it saves me time from getting there. Hence why reading the Bible every day is important because we're reading about professionals. And I'm not saying the ones that make a lot of money to hit people. I'm saying a professional who has been with Jesus and walked it out and made some mistakes along the way. By the way, if you're a professional and you've never made a mistake, then I don't really wanna talk to you. Because I'll be your mistake. You'll talk to me and give me something that will hurt me. And I don't want that. I want people in my life who've made mistakes who then can say, This is what you don't do, sir, and this is what you do because those are the kind of people that really have your best interest in mind. So when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, it says on the top of the page. Those are the professionals we need to start reading about and emulating and modeling and start to walk in the same way that they walked so that we can see it. Now, you're saying, you may say, Pastor Rob, uh, you didn't say anything about Jesus. Well, he's in there. You'll find him. But Jesus is all of these five people. But I'm trying to give you some other things too. He's all of these to you if you're willing to wait on him. Mentors, coaches, there are some of those in scripture, you can find them, um, but this is a more practical one. Jesus can be your coach and he can be your mentor because he cares about you. He'll tell you truth and the Holy Spirit will say, stop it, right? So he is that. But this is where good, Bible-believing, spirit-filled people in your life have to come into play to help you get to your destiny. Because I guarantee that if you know your destiny, there's no way you're going to get there without some people here who are holding you accountable on the walk. Here's the other thing. They may change over time. Because you need different gifts among you to help you get where you need to go. And if you have the same mentor for a long, long, long period of time, you're probably at their level and you're not any further. I know this is hard stuff, but you're probably stuck. So are you getting a new mentor? Are you looking to grow? Are you moving forward? Are you dreaming again? Like all that stuff gets answered in that question. Peers, everybody turn your head to the left and to the right. That's these people. These people are called to be a part of your life to raise your game. They're called to be a part of your life to lift you up when you're down. They're called to be a part of your life to pull you down when you're a little too up. They're called to be a part of your life to challenge you to become better. And scripture tells us in Hebrews 10, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because we miss the counsel of God. So do you have peers? And I'm gonna ask this question again because I saw a head shake yes real quickly there. I'm gonna ask you, do you have peers? And, and that means, are the people to your left and to your right challenging you to become better? See, I think this is why some churches are dead inside. Because we come and do the deal, but we don't hold each other accountable. And we don't say, this is truth, this is truth, and I'm going to hold you accountable to truth so that you can become more than what you are today. Amen. And so many people think that their peer is their pastor. I'm going to tell you, I'm not. I'm not above you. I'm with you. But I can only meet with so many of y'all. So you have to have other peers, too. If you just look to me, you can get on my schedule every six months. That's fine. But that's not accountability. Accountability is somebody you go to coffee with every two weeks and you say, how's your life? How's your marriage? How's your kids? What, how's work going? I, heard, I remember the last time you were so angry your face was red when we sat down to eat because you just got off work? How's that going? What's the Lord said to you in scripture over the last two weeks? That's what a peer does. And a producer 
These are the builders. And I love the scripture that Christ says, he'll build the church. It's his church. You guys aren't my possession, you're his. And for this season, I'm here to help you grow, but he's building you. The question is, are you allowing him to get out the chisel and the hammer? Because what he's building in you is not for your own story. It's for his story. If it's for your own story, it never becomes his story. If it's your story, and that's how you see it, it never becomes history. Because when it's your story, it doesn't rank up to even be written down. I shall move on. Turn with me to Acts 1. We're all Pentecostals in the room, so we know this scripture. Now I'm going to talk about places. Where should I be? Verse 7 says this, and he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, where you are in your own zip code, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, I think that you need a place to learn. It's where you are. I think you need a place to practice. It's probably a little bigger than where you are, but it could be where you are. I think you need a place to perform, which is probably, could be where you are. That, all of these could be the same zip code. That's totally fine. But sometimes where you perform ends up being larger because you've been faithful with little and he allows you to go larger. I talked with one person there like, I've been stuck in the same dead end job for 20 years. And I'm like, wow, that's not scriptural. You said dead end, which means you're dead there. It means you don't see any future, which means my question will be, and I know this sounds very harsh, but my question is, have you been faithful in little? Because if you're dead there, I don't think that's good for his reputation. Okay, I'm gonna go back for one second. The Lord's reputation is on the backs of our obedience. That does not mean that his character is different. Steve, you know, you know me personally, but you may go to work and hear a different thing about my reputation, but you know me. But you may hear something else and you may be like, now, no, I know the guy, that's wrong. How often does the world look at us as Christians, little Christ, how often does the world look at us and say, wow, the one that they're following must have a bad deal? Because they talk about healing, but they don't walk in healing. They talk about deliverance, but they don't walk in deliverance. They talk about joy, but they don't have any. Man, he must be a pretty bad dude. That doesn't change his character that he's always good and he's always faithful and he's always this. No, but the world sees him as the bad part. 
And I said this last week, if, if my reputation depended on your actions, I'd be in your back seat. I'd be going to the grocery store with you. Right? If my reputation depended on your actions, we wouldn't be going certain places. We wouldn't be doing certain things. How much more the creator of the world is wants to be in your business to help you make the right choices. Why? Because you need a place to grow. And the place to grow is with the one who wants the best for you. He wants the best for you every single time. His reputation is bound to your success. He wants you to succeed. And if, as I go back to the beginning of today's message, if you're dead inside doing what you're doing, then that doesn't leave a great reputation for him because oftentimes when we're dead inside, our face will show it. And that's not a good thing because I don't want to be standing before him and him question the reputation that I laid out on his behalf. So yes, the proximity principle of the kingdom is that Jesus is all five of those people to you, but I'm challenging you to get five people in the earth realm that can actually help you achieve your destiny. Find yourself someone who's gonna teach you what you need to know. Find someone who is a professional. They've been there, they've done that. Don't go to somebody who doesn't know anything about it just because they're in the position of a pastor. I'm not your attorney, I'm not your doctor. Go find them. I will gladly give you the best counsel I've got, but normally it's a phone number to somebody who knows something about that. Find a mentor. Find someone who's gonna put their arm around you and say, this is right, this is wrong, and I'm gonna stand here and help you make the right decisions. And I'm not gonna leave you when the decisions get hard. I'm not gonna leave you when you don't understand what's coming next. I'm not gonna walk away and do something else because I'm committed to you. You see the character of Christ? You need to have peers. And not the ones that pull you down, but the ones that lift you up. The ones who are gonna infuse into you this challenge to become better at whatever it is you're going for. If it's to be a disciple of the king, then you better have some peers who are willing to push you to be a better disciple of the king. And you need to have producers. People in your life who are gonna create opportunities for you to become what God has created you to be. And that may look completely weird from what you've ever had in your life because most people, when they see a producer, we've been trained to step away from them because they're big and bold and they just take risks and you can't take risks. Well, no, Jesus took risks all the time. The disciples took risks all the time. We've been trained to be good. Never mind, I'll stop. We've been trained to be good citizens. That word has a lot of connotations to it, but we've been trained to be good citizens and not to take risks because risks are dangerous and we could lose it all. I don't know anybody who's successful in ministry, in business, that hasn't lost it all at one point or another. It's part of the cycle 
of being successful is that you take enough risks that you lose it all and then you've learned a lot and you don't ever lose it that way again unless you got a lot of knowledge but not a lot of wisdom. Jesus wants you to succeed more than you even understand at life. He wants to look down on his kids and say, those successful people on the planet are executing my kingdom call and they're living out their destiny and they're not apologizing for it. They're doing it because I, their dad, put it in them before the foundation of the world. You realize Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came and we had this discussion this morning in the prayer room and I may differ from y'all, but I know that we pray for the glory of God to come on, the, on a meeting, and I, I'm not against that, but the glory of God has come in you. Everything he's ever gonna give you is inside of you. Your destiny is inside of you. Our job is to get it out. And oftentimes we build walls through relationships and through brokenness and we've got church hurt and we've got this person and that person has defrauded us or whatever. I met with somebody this week, had a company, very successful, had an offer from a larger company to buy them out for two point whatever million, was gonna be in his bank account the next day and when they did an evaluation of the company, they found that the, the partner in the company had embezzled millions of dollars and it's taken loans out in the owner's name and he lost everything. Lost his house, lost it all. Had to turn it all over. And I was sitting with him. I had the privilege to sit with him. And I said, so what have you learned? What have you learned? And his answer was, my focus was in the wrong spot. So I wanna challenge you with this today as we close. Is your focus in the right spot? Do you have the right people on your team? Are you in the right spot? Because he wants you to succeed more than you even know. And does that mean that everybody has a plane or everything, whatever the Lord has for you, it's great. But what I do know is your success could be that you are able to speak into that little child's life that you get to babysit two days a week. That may be it. Maybe it's that you awaken nations and you're on stages in front of millions of people. I don't know. But I know he wants your success. And if that means communicating his love to the little one or to the vast majority of people, I don't know. But he wants your success every single time you talk about him. Are you willing to do it? You see, this whole thing about the proximity principle is only if you're willing to do the work. Are you saying, Pastor, oftentimes you say it's not about the work, the work, the work. It's not about the work. It's about are you willing to surrender and die and allow other people to get in your business? And I don't mean like business, business. Get in your junk. So that when they get in your junk, they see what needs to be recalibrated so that you can achieve what you need to achieve. See, there comes a point, and I'm gonna give you this and then I'm gonna stop, but there comes a point in your life where you must receive the harshest of criticism. Many people have refused to take it from the ones that love them, so they receive it from ones that don't care about them. 
But either way, you're gonna receive harsh criticism. My challenge for you today is receive it from the ones you've put in place around you that love you and care for you and receive that criticism to be changed and transformed to achieve your destiny instead of letting the world beat you up because they don't care about who you're called to be. He wants your success more than I want your success and I'm praying for your success every day. But he wants it more because his reputation is tied to you succeeding. So are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to go find those people that are gonna help you succeed? Are you willing to be in the right place to help you succeed? Are you willing to practice even though your craft is already polished? Are you willing to practice? And are you willing to grow and be put in a place where God can use you beyond what you understand in this moment? Because his plans are much higher and much better If you're in the room and you're retired and you've said, I'm sort of just gonna relax the rest of my life, go back and reread Acts 1. There's no expiration date. It's time to win people to the kingdom of God more than anything else you can do. You're the witness of the king. Would you stand this morning? Father, today, you've shown us something. Lord, I don't know what pieces of truth are gonna land in what heart. I don't know the hearts that are hard and I don't know the hearts that are soft. But Lord, I pray that you would take this word, this seed, and as it's producing, Lord, I ask for supernatural wisdom, knowledge and understanding to be upon every heart in this room that as they begin to grow in your kingdom principles, as they begin to grow in understanding who they are in you, that you would show them your hand upon their life. You would reveal to them what they're on the planet for. Lord, maybe they've been told that they're, they're done. No, 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 they're not done. Maybe they've been told they can't start yet because they're too young. No, 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 that's not right either because you've called every single person that was ever created on the planet to a destiny that can only be surrendered, it can't be taken away. So, your destiny can only be surrendered, it can't be taken from you. So Lord, show us how to walk in that every single day. Father, I pray over the conference Lord, I pray for safety and travel for all those who are coming. Lord, I pray over each speaker. I pray, Lord, that as Pastor Penn is finalizing his stuff before he comes, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would show up in his room and, and just minister to him that he may minister to us out of overflow. Lord, for Bishop Reed, as he's been in Florida and he's traveling all over at 90 years old, Lord, I pray for health, I pray for energy, I pray for the wisdom of heaven to flow through him that we may receive. And Father, for Pastor Dennis, as he comes from Florida and he brings us amazingly warm weather, Lord, I, I just pray that you would touch him, that you would give him a word that will shift our destinies, that will show us, that will reveal something that we've never seen before. And Lord, I pray for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow in this place that many will not be able to stand 
that many will come into this realm and experience something they've never experienced before. So Lord, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, that we may walk in that which you've called us to walk. We worship you and we say thank you for all that you've done, all that you've said, all that you've promised, and the care that you've provided each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I just have a few quick things. As Pastor Rob said, the doors for the conference open at six o'clock, so make sure that you're here for that. January 18th will be third Wednesday, so make sure that you come. We're doing small groups, and it's going to be a really exciting time. So that is January 18th at 6.30, and the offering buckets are in the back. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you on Thursday. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.